Hello, welcome back to the OGB Community Catch Up Podcast, a new series of podcasts on OGB Energy. Uh, for this series, we want to do a deep dive into some of the companies in our OGB community to find out exactly what they do within the energy sector and hopefully make the industry a little bit less intimidating for those who want to get involved. Today, we'll be attempting to make a quantum leap in our understanding of engineering, procurement, and construction services. I'm today's host, Andrew Tendall, and today we're joined with uh, joined by Stephen Brett, who's the commercial director at Quanta EPC. How are you doing, Stephen? Yeah, very good. I'll try not to make any more uh, any more terrible jokes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Quanta, tell me a little bit about your company and what you do. So, Quanta or EPC uh, provider, so engineering, procurement, and construction. Been in the oil and gas industry since 1988. Previously known as Fabricom Offshore Services, and then in 2018 uh, there was a management buyout um, that took place, and it was rebranded Quanta APC. So that's where we are to date. Specialise in probably knowing more about the brownfield modifications, topside work. However, we can offer the suite from from feed study all the way through the commissioning. We've also been involved in, in some decommissioning works which has been in, in various um, uh, regions within the, in the North Sea, um, some of the British sector, some of the North Sea sector. So quite active, but that's a, a broad overview of, of what we do as, as an organisation. So sort of going from the start there, I guess, you had the change of management in 2018. What what has that sort of meant in terms of the values of the company? So the I, I recently just joined, but was very aware of, of what Quantarif had uh, before I joined because I've, I've worked with them in the past. It's a good question and, and one of the ones that probably has been the biggest driver or one of the biggest changes we've seen coming from the management bio. Nick, who was the, the CEO, um, he was working for Fabricom Offshore in 2016 and then obviously got the opportunity to do the management bio in 2018 and they created some values for the business and these values are definitely underpinning what we currently do as an organization, what we deliver, how we deliver it. And it's something that is definitely ingrained in terms of, of how we live and breathe our, our execution and delivery. Okay. So uh, how many people are you employing then? Um, it, it obviously varies. And uh, good old COVID-19 had a bit of an impact in terms yeah. of what we do with, in terms of staff. We're currently sitting at about 70, 80 but that's been up to 320 prior to the COVID-19. So probably sitting at the moment, like I say, around about that mark, but looking hopefully very soon to get back to where we were. When they had the larger staff here, the large amount of staff here, it, it was certainly a, a consistent number um, that they were out, that they maintained across the number of years. Um, but like I say, obviously the pandemic changed, changed a lot of things and obviously one of them was unfortunately having to reduce the staff. Okay, so you have uh, you have offices in in England and in Scotland, uh, and obviously in Aberdeen. Uh, how much of your business is in that sort of area with the North Sea and things? Um, so we're predominantly North Sea. That is where um, where activity base. Um, so we've got a. You're right. We've got an office in West Hill, and obviously we've got an office around base there, just outside Newcastle. Very much focused on on the North Sea, and, and that we have been for ever since we were in existence. We work with a lot of the majors in the North Sea. However. We also have some clients um, who are both onshore and offshore, which has been a great mix in terms of uh, the activity levels, let's say, during, during the COVID-19. 
So is a lot of that business sort of centered around traditional oil and gas? Yes, very much focused on the oil and gas. That is very much the driver um, behind the business um, and very much the focus towards oil and gas. We've got a lot of uh, multidisciplinary engineers uh, within the team, process engineers, controls, inspection, instrumentation, you name it. And, and across that feed, their pedigree is oil and gas. And you work a lot on sort of assets involved in that. Do you do a lot of uh, sort of asset integrity and, you know, managing equipment over its lifespan, kind of extending Yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, we've got, we've got what we call three offerings within the, within the, the organization. So obviously we offer the APC full suite. We've got the asset, asset management offering, which is basically, it is what it is, it says in the tin. And we've got an advanced consultancy solutions. So the, the, the ACS offering is when we can take a feed or a conceptual design probably around the greenfield developments. Um, so we've been engaged to a number of clients where we look at greenfield and they come and engage with us to try and get them to, to, to a point or a solution, let's say. So we're very much experienced in the, in the greenfield. Um, and then the asset management is very much on the brownfield modification work. So you mentioned those two projects. Are there any other projects that you're especially sort of involved with or excited about right now? We've got a few actually. Um, we're, we're working working on the York project at the moment, which is which has been a good one. We were recently involved in a, a quick turnaround, let's say, project, which came came as a bit of a surprise. We were aware of it, but obviously because of the COVID nineteen, we weren't exactly sure of let's say the certainty of it. But what happened? It came out the blue. But as always, quick reaction projects normally have reduced lead times and. We were asked to turn on something in 12 weeks, which was basically taking a system from a platform offshore, bringing the gas onshore. But because they couldn't execute the installation of the compressor, but they came up with a solution and uh, we delivered that in 12 weeks. So that, that was a really good one. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds really interesting. So if a lot of, a lot of your work will be offshore then, are you, are you, are you involved much with, uh, with sort of robotics and AI and sort of working remotely, that kind of thing? I Yes, offshore we are. I mean, again, you know, we've got a mix. We do offshore and onshore. Say predominantly, probably offshore more. In terms of the AI, digitalization, etc., we're probably looking, we're definitely looking to expand that. We know as a, as a business that it's something that we need to embrace a bit more. Um, and that's certainly what we're doing. We also understand that trying to move to better practices as an impact and a uh, contribution to our environmental footprint, um, which obviously we're, you know, we're, big, we're, we're really focused on. I mean, it's a big driver for, for the business. Then we understand that the technologies out there can certainly help us deliver that. And we're looking at systems inside the business that will make us more effective in, in our delivery. Yeah. So just touching on that there, you mentioned with the, uh, the sort of the push towards uh, renewables and energy transition, that kind of thing. But obviously it is a transition. How important yeah. is oil and gas just still? Going oh, it's I mean, it's, and, and it's it's a conversation we have on a I would say a regular basis in in Quanta and with our clients. I mean, we we are all for the, the energy transition. Don't get me wrong; we understand it. We know the reasons why. We are actively contributing to net zero T side and zero carbon humber at the moment. So we are we are involved in that in that process. So so we get it. But what we also understand is that oil and gas is here for a lot of years um, and is still required as, a, as an industry. Um, and 
we are looking to be part of that for the next 40, 50 years. We know the role it plays, we know how crucial it is to the industry. And without the oil and gas, some of these energy transition projects just wouldn't be able to take place. For example, you need gas um, for the hydrogen. So we know that gas is a big player. We're following the market trends. We're doing all the big data diving um, and, and looking in terms of you know what's happening, where things are changing, what the industry is telling us. Um, obviously, we had the news this morning of the, the UK government backing um, the North Sea oil and gas to, to move into that transition. We've been speaking to people, and I've spoken to people on, on, in my previous employment where this whole electrification of platforms um, moving from more wind power to to get the power of the platforms away from the, the compressors or the diesel generators. I've been having those conversations for like over two years now. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we know what's happening. Uh, we know there's slow burners. We know there's a, there's a, a deadline, let's say, where, where people have to commit to. Um, we're fully embraced in that and we support that, of course. Um, but we also understand that oil and gas is, is got a long life left in it. Um, and you just need to look at further afield, different locations around the world. Um, you know, the oil and gas sector in certain regions is, is only doing one thing and that, that's growing and expanding. Well, yeah, the demand, the demand is certainly still there and it's not, it's not, a, you can't just ignore that massive part of the industry. Exactly. Um, exactly. So just to finish off, you seen, I've seen a lot of companies sort of recently over the past couple of years getting involved in collaboration with other companies to sort of uh, to help each other. Is that something you're involved with? We've looked at it um, and we've, prob- we've, we've looked at that from a number of aspects. Um, one from a, a BD perspective in terms of can we use different organizations in different regions to, to expand our, our footprint. Um, we've looked at can we... Um, collaborate with people in terms of different projects uh, and what skills they offer uh, and vice versa. And just from a, from a network perspective, um, can, we, can we get on board with, with different organizations to share a, a network? Um, can we give somebody a steer in terms of, I think this is happening, this may work for you. Um, but for sure, we're always on the lookout. We're always talking to people. Um, we're looking at developing a big, um, network, let's say, globally. Um, and, and part of that, for sure, will be collaboration with, with other companies and businesses. Okay. So uh, moving on a little bit, uh, the pandemic's been the, sort of the dominating story over the past the past year and a bit now, and uh, it seems like it's been going on forever. How much uh, how much has that affected your company and what you do? Um, again, obviously, you know, I haven't been here that long, but from experience and what I've seen, um, it, it certainly drove us to refocus, let's say. Um, and I think it gave us that opportunity to refocus as a, as a business. Um, we looked at a number of scenarios. Um, we executed a, a strategy um, and we revised the strategy and, and reviewed it with, with the rest of the board of directors. And what we found was that we developed this five-year roadmap um, and again, everybody's done it right. I mean, every every organisation and business is the same. Everybody's had to go back basically to square one and then and then start again. And that's what we what that's what we executed. Yeah, um, we looked at a number of scenarios. Are we doing the right thing? 
Now, is the focus correct, etc., etc.? Uh, what we found is that, and, and as we've touched on, oil and gas remains the focus for sure. Um, we developed a roadmap um, for the for the next five year, um, and we have certain milestones within that strategy roadmap, and we are working towards trying to execute that the best we can. Um, that will be flown through the business in terms of PDR development, etc. Um, but uh, it, it certainly was a, a chance to realign, let's say, um, look at the, the business in general. Um, we've made some changes to make the business stronger in terms of recruitment um, and how we look internally from a structure perspective to support the growth that, that we're building towards. Um, and we've been fortunate in terms of being able to still execute some pretty difficult projects um, over the last year, year and a half. So, you know, we, we've got to thank our, our um, client base and our suppliers uh, for supporting us through that. So, yeah, it's obviously been quite, a, been quite a lot of negative news that's come out over the past year. But do you think there's also been some opportunities that companies have been able to jump on as a result think, of it? I think so. Um, and again, I think you've got to be brave. Um, I think we, we approached the, or the adopted, let's say, agile working environment here at Qantas. So people are working from home, um, people are working in the office, et cetera, et cetera. So we had that mix. And what that allowed us to do was still be very functional as a business, but also be aware of other projects that were coming up and it allowed us to react pretty quickly. So the one I alluded to earlier, um, which was the quick turn, one that came from the from the blind side and, and we had to react. That whole agile working allowed us to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for sure, some opportunities, I think, being able to use Teams, Zoom, to, to communicate with people has been excellent. I think you get more of an opportunity to, to speak to people now. and People are more open to, to having those conversations where in the past, trying to align schedules and being at the right place at the right time was, was difficult. So flicking the screen on and speaking to somebody on video is, is a lot easier. Um, so from that perspective, for sure, I think network expansion has been, has been a good one for us. Um, and also being able to spread the word a bit more and integrate more people. That's quite interesting. It's very similar to what uh, Trevor Block from uh, VROC the other day said. You know, there's been people who are more, they're more willing to have to have meetings and talk to each other. Yeah. So, so do you yeah. think this technology, the Zoom calls and the meetings, is that here to stay even after COVID? I think so. Um, I, I must say from a personal perspective, I do miss the face-to-face interaction. I think that whole client engagement thing is, is massive, um, especially for... You know, client growth, trying to maintain their client base, and just getting a feel for for what's happening in the industry. I think we missed that. I think the the um, live um, video conferences that people are doing in the exhibition stuff have been great, uh, and it's another way of, of interaction. But I think that whole networking part of being in an exhibition or a conference, uh, you still need. So for me, I think there'll be a mix, um, and and hopefully that that mix continues. But for sure. Um, the video conferences stuff we get to do. Yeah, I know. I'm sure the uh, the real life aspect is something that we're all we're all missing quite a lot. So, just sort of going forward with your with your business, are you are you optimistic for the next coming years after coming out of COVID? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, we we've got uh, healthy activity at the minute. Um, we're we're tendering and quoting um, 
a lot of scopes um, that have obviously been deferred and, and people now have, have got some confidence in releasing those projects. So we've been busy the past three months um, and it doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon, which is great. Um, and like I say, our international expansion is still ongoing. So we're, we're starting to see some green shoots in, in different regions uh, where we know we obviously will be. Um, but now I think um, if we continue the activity and the trend we're on at the moment, um, we should we should see a, a, a well definitely a different year this year than it was the last. Um, but I think what this will give us is the foundation to to build in in 2022 and onwards from there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to hear. So, um, moving on, a lot of uh, a lot's been made recently, and you mentioned earlier, sort of of the energy transition and the uh, and the green recovery, and that's been a big thing in the UK recently. What has your company been doing to become more environmentally sustainable? Um, well, what one thing we can, we can certainly shout about is we've just um, been certified for fourteen thousand and one, um, which basically happened this week. Um, so that's been over the past three months. We've been looking to get ourselves aligned. Um, it was probably the only certified um, qualification that we didn't have associated with the environmental policy, health and safety and environment is now up to date as it should be. Um, so for sure, that's that's a great one for us and that's made us look at how we operate internally. Um, that drove us to look at our carbon footprint. Uh, we've developed it carbon tracker internally and, and we've developed the carbon roadmap. We've got our full environmental system in place now, which basically, again, is an, is an underlying um, driver towards how we operate both internally and externally. Um, and we've brought in a couple of measures for the guys when they're working on, on different sites just to consider what, what our impact is and how we can reduce that. And that makes through, through simple stuff as in car sharing when you're traveling the site, if you can, at the minute, it's, it's pretty difficult. Um, looking at how we get power generation on site, um, looking at how we transfer documents between different sites. So we've done it. We, you know, we've done a number of things that we can change um, and implement, um, which which reduces our impact. Um, but for sure, I think the focus of get us to four thousand one um, has definitely give us the the steer, let's say, to get to get ourselves aligned correctly. And we've we've recently moved offices. Um, and, and, and the team were involved in the design of the offices. So we made some changes towards how we can make our uh, work environment more environmental friendly. Yeah, that sounds all very promising. So sort of more on the, uh, on the I guess, operations side of the business. You said you're involved in decommissioning. How much has that changed in recent years, sort of with recycling and the new technologies? <laughs> We've, we obviously, again, I've been speaking to people on decommissioning for probably 10, 11 years now. Um, and what what I was what I was seeing and hearing the same things over and over again. So I was attending different meetings at different times, different years, maybe a two-year gap or a three-year gap, and it just seemed the same conversation was just getting churned out. And we didn't really see much traction. However, over the, I would say the past two years, maybe three years, um, and, and since I've joined Quanta, they, they have seen some activity in terms of the decommissioning, and we have been involved in that. Um, I still think, from a process perspective, I think decommissioning has still got a little bit to go in terms of the environmental studies. And I know that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a huge amount of time and effort gets spent on, on these studies before anything's removed. 
Um, but I still think there's probably a little tweak in there in terms of the alignment. Um, but what what is good to see is that people are actually committing to what the centre would do. Um, and I think obviously help from the government and the driver towards the, the net zero um, is certainly helping that. But for sure, I think decommissioning looks a lot different now to what it did when, I, when we first got involved maybe 10 years ago. So moving on, uh, I'm a journalism student. I'm you know set to graduate next year. And there's clearly yeah. a lot of opportunities nowadays in the industry, but it does look quite different to what it, to what it did in the past. What would you say to the next generation of graduates looking to get involved in the energy industry? Yeah, you have to be aware of what's happening in the market because it's ever-changing. Um, and I think with the changes that's planned for the next 20, 25 years, there'll be some changes to that plan, I think. So I, one advice would be keep an eye on what the industry's telling you um, and be, be aware of the changes um, because that, that, that certainly will be, um, without a doubt, and also just constantly monitoring what people are telling you. Um, I would say try and become an expert, let's say, in, in a skill that's cross-functional against across a number of the activities. Um, try and hone in on something where you can you can use that in renewables, you can use that in oil and gas, you can use that in carbon capture, whatever it may be. Um, just to try and be very good at, at one thing because I think what, what happens is, and I've seen this in the past, people get a bit diluted in terms of what their focus is because of maybe they get a nudge of somebody or somebody says, oh, well, do you not think you should be looking at this? So I think if, you, if, you're, if you're very focused in terms of what you want to be when you, when you graduate and, and what your role wants to be and, and what your aspirations are to, to be some qualified, wherever it is, I think that focus and, and being an expert in, in something is key, but be aware that the, the functional skill needs to be something that you can flip from from a different sector. That's crucial. Um, what I would say is, is be open to changes I've touched on. Um, there's plenty of bumps in the road. I would say create your network very quickly. Um, so build them relationships with, with key people and engage with the industry bodies and the platforms like OGV and everything else that give you that constant information and the constant churn. Try and get some industry experience as quick as you can, because obviously that you know that, that's a big thing. And look to see if you can identify a mentor, somebody who you can you know, lean on for experience or get some feedback or run something past somebody uh, I think that that's crucial it's been very helpful for me even even still today I try and have a couple of mentors in, in different industries where you can basically pick the phone up and, and ask for some advice and some feedback so for me I think that would be that would be my advice to people well we've heard uh, a little bit over the past sort of few podcasts there's a real demand for sort of problem solving skills is that something you look for when you're looking to hire new people it's, it's something I've been involved with. I've, I've um, studied some of the problem-solving skills you can get out there and I use them regular. And if you, if you have the ability to process something very quickly and to relay the solution, it's certainly a, a skill that will help you in the oil and gas industry for sure. I think you've got to be able to think on your feet. Sometimes you don't get the opportunity to take things away and come back. I think you've got to be very reactive. 
especially if you're on a platform or you know you're in the middle of a of a shutdown and something happens, then I think those problem solving skills are definitely something that I would encourage people to to look at um, embrace and, and try and get more involved with and, and try and widen your, your skill skills matrix on, on that. You think that'll be something that'll be really important in terms of the energy transition as well going forwards? So, I think so because for sure there will be some there'll be some problems in terms of when you look to go from one to another in that whole process of that flip will have a, a number of problems in there. And I think being able to identify those problems quickly and reacting to them will, will certainly be a, a big help to anybody. Yeah, that's that's all very interesting stuff. So, so thanks a lot for talking to me, Stephen. Uh, it's been it's been very interesting. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add that we haven't covered yet? No, not really. Just that I think, you know, Quantar as a, as a business will we'll continue to service our clients as we can. We'll, we'll continue to support the oil and gas industry. And for sure, you know, we're always got our eyes open. And, and once the once there's a need and requirement for us to, to really get engaged in the energy transition, then that's exactly what we do. I think that seems like it's always the way to play it. So uh, uh, where can uh, where can people find you online? On social media, that kind of thing? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not really a big social media person, I'm honest. But I, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on I'm regular on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a very active user on that. Um, we constantly promote stuff from Quanta. Probably we try and do that on a weekly basis. So I'm guessing there's a lot of people, certainly within my network, and probably outside, have seen many posts from me over the past few weeks in terms of what we're doing, skills and capabilities we have in the But LinkedIn's be probably the more predominant uh, social media platform, I'd say. Yeah, and that plays all, obviously into all the networking and things that are, that are good to do. All right, so uh, yeah, you can find all the links to the, the uh, relevant social medias, uh, Quanta APC, in the description of the podcast. I'm sure you'll all find it very fascinating. So uh, we'll be back next week to speak to another member of the OGB community. Until then, you can find us on social media at OGB Energy on various different platforms uh, for more oil and gas industry content. I'm Andrew Tindall. I've been talking to Stephen Brett, and uh, have a good week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>